As we gather here today, as we're doing this podcast, we acknowledge we are on Treaty 6 and Treaty 4 territories um, in the homeland of the Métis. We pay our respect to the First Nations and Métis ancestors of this, uh, this place and reaffirm our relationship with one another. Um, hi, my name is Kevin and I'm a first year PhD student uh, in the College of Kinesiology researching associations among physical activity, chronic disease, culture, and the built environment. Hi, my name is Mike Krug, and I am a PhD student in the Johnson Shoyama Graduate School of Public Policy. I am researching health policy. Today on the, introdu on the Introduction to University Teaching podcast, we're talking about who we are. We covered this content in week two of our GPS 989 Introduction to University Teaching course, where we learned how students learn, how to plan for teaching, and how to design short lessons using the BOPS model. That's B-O-P-P-P-S, or bridging, outcomes, pre-assessment, participatory learning, post-assessment, and summary. The purpose of this podcast is for us to share what we used to think and what we now think and or do regarding teaching. The main objective of this lesson uh, was to reflect on personal power and position and develop strategies for power sharing and choices for students. It was here that we were introduced to becoming a reflective practitioner. Uh, David Bridgen detailed a paper on becoming a reflective practitioner and explained the stages involved in reflective practice, which are awareness, critical analysis, and new perspectives. Along with the stages, becoming a reflective practitioner requires skills such as self-awareness, description, critical analysis, synthesis, and evaluation. Reflection helps in being conscious of our biases and discrimination, looking at things from different perspectives, avoiding past mistakes, and maximizing opportunities. The active process of learning usually involves more than thoughts. It involves reflection. In reflective learning, we also have other experts such as Tim Wise. Uh, Tim Wise talks about privilege. Um, privilege, I have learned, is something that makes up a lot of who we are. Um, and we'll talk about privilege um, as, as, as we go. Well, Kevin, that, that kind of reminds me talking about privilege. Uh, one of the tasks that we had from that week was we had four different videos to choose from to watch and it was all, they were about privilege. And one of them was, it was a CBC video called The Skin We're In, Pulling Back the Curtain on Racism in Canada. And there was a quote from that video that really stood out to me, justice sounds like oppression to the privilege, which, you know, it's a case of understanding different perspectives. You know, students don't always understand the diversity or relative privilege many of themselves have. And I mean, this is myself included. You know, we, we grow up with this, this, this privilege. And so as a way to evaluate, you know, personal experiences and decolonize the classroom, I like to outline course related topics with relevant historical privilege, you know, just to outline where and why our perspectives differ. Um, you know, I believe in reciprocity and the recognition of the teacher student power struggle. So this, you know, this modern relationship requires a middle ground or an ethical space to operate in which this is an idea by Willie Ermine. Uh, you know, it's, we can have two different perspectives and we can sit 
he uses this analogy of, of, of two different people sitting on a bench and in between this bench is this ethical space to look at. So this kind of speaks to an idea about Micmac elder Albert Marshall, which is, this is, the, this is the middle ground that takes a balanced approach to seeing different perspectives. You know, it's, it's neither dominates nor undermines each other. It embraces a two-eyed seeing framework for our methods. Now, these approaches, they can help me and they can also obviously help the students understand our diverse experiences. And, you know, that's, that two different answers can be correct. You know, we can, we, can, we can both view something in different ways and we can both be correct. One of the important things with us talking about diverse experiences and having different perspectives is that with a healthy classroom and uh, reflective practicing, you know, imposing my way into the classroom setting is an antiquated authoritarian, authoritarian way of teaching. You know, we have, we have curriculum and we need to follow it, but students should be setting some of those boundaries in their choice of learning. Uh, you know, this power, bal balance, power imbalance benefits when I can act as facilitator, providing multiple methods and choices for students to learn a topic. You know, of course, there's these older lecture style and discussions that we do. But we're in the modern era and online. I mean, with this podcast, videos, and, and many other methods that teachers or students can learn by too that we can offer them. And, you know, so by providing the students with some of these choices in the lecture material, it's, it's going to help them. It's going to help their understanding. It's going to help their different experiences. Giving students the choice in designing and picking their assignments, you know, is an inclusive way for them to feel more invested in their education process. So from... <sighs> From one of the class activities that we used to do, um, there's one that particularly stood out for me. So this is the I am from um, uh, poem that we developed in class to help us tell a story about ourselves, um, about our background, about important things that shaped our upbring upbringing or backgrounds. Um, and here's where I'm going to talk about um, <clears throat> something that I brought up and that you talked about, Mike, that you sort of touched on about privilege. Um, so when we talk about privilege, we are referring to the systematic, uh, systemic and structural advantages uh, we experienced, uh, we experienced based on our social identities uh, or the unearned social power accorded by the formal and informal uh, institutions of society to all members of a dominant group. Uh, so what do I mean by this? I mean like, for example, white privilege, for example, male privilege, for example, class privilege, etc. cetera. Um, anytime I thought about privilege, I mostly thought about race and social class. These are the things that for me as a young, uh, being brought up as a young age, these are the things that stuck out for me. Um, these are the things that were always around me. It was always about race and so, uh, social class. Um, when I was writing the I Am From poem, and listening to other students sharing uh, where they're from, uh, listening to podcasts that were given to us during class, uh, watching the videos. And even Mike, you talked about some videos that um, 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 you talked about some of these videos as well. Um, and even giving about, uh, and even talking about the readings um, that we were assigned. I came to realize that almost everyone has privilege and privilege is not about race or class. Um, some are more privileged than others. Um, we have class privilege. Yes, we have male privilege, uh, but we also have education privilege. Uh, some people have different educational backgrounds. 
we have geographical privilege. You know, some people living in areas that um, are, you know, have more activities and more accessibility than others. Um, generally, what I want to like, what I'm uh, sort of inferring or what I've, what it kind of uh, comes down to for me is the social determinants of health privilege, if we can call anything uh, like that, you know? Um, anyway, Mike, uh, do you have anything to add on this one? Well, I think that's important what you said there about like, how am I in the position of privilege? And that's where that self-reflection really comes into play. Uh, well, Kevin, have you yourself, have you thought about any anti-oppressive kind of teaching ideas or practices that we can implement? Um, <clears throat> uh, some anti-oppressive uh, teaching things that we can, I think giving students a chance to tell their story um, is, is sort of a good way to go about it. So, um, you know, in our, in our class, we were given a chance the first thing that, you know, on the second week, what the instructor did was she gave us a chance to tell our story. Um, there's also um, one, of, I forget the name of the things that we filled out at the beginning that had um, the different things that we were expecting from the um, instructor and the things that instructor, the instructor was um, expecting from us. Um, and what, you know, we, you know, the instructor gave us that respect to sort of, um, provide uh, some guidance um, and some things for her. And she also provided us with some, um, uh, some things from the instructor's perspective. So I think that's important. And I think in a classroom perspective, um, you have to give everyone's, everyone a voice. You have to give everyone a chance to express themselves. And that way you kind of know uh, the different backgrounds that everyone um, is, coming, is coming in from. Well, that, you, you raise a good point about giving everyone a voice. And that's one of the things that I really like doing. And with technology now, you can give voices to those that are afraid to speak out or maybe not even afraid, but just are hesitant to for whatever reason, that doesn't matter. Uh, but, you know, with online, uh, one of the things that I've, I've, I've both used and I've had professors use with me is have anonymous online uh feedback uh you know it, it can be you, you can specifically ask about a topic to learn or you know we can also use it for what's going well what's not going so well what am i stuck on as an individual or you know what do i want to see more of there's a lot of things that for whatever reason people don't always want to speak up about and and with with i mean our our covid era of online it just makes it that much easier to 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 reflect and look at these different areas to, to go down. Um, yeah, I, and I think that's great that you bring that up because I think that's, uh, that's a tool that was used uh, a lot on GPS 989 um, in terms of us kind of giving feedback, uh, giving feedback to um, our instructors and them also giving us back feedback. Because uh, sometimes, you know, uh, giving that space where the student can express themselves uh, anonymously, I think goes a long way and it's very important. So uh, thank you, yeah, that's, 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 um, that's, that's really great, yeah. Well, and, that, that, and that kind of leads into, for me, I mean, it's this whole concept about reflection. Reflection has always been something that's important for me. Uh, you, need, you need to go back, you need to learn from your mistakes and everything. 
But one of the focuses of this module in this class is that there are more methodological ways to do this. And there's no right or wrong way. However, one of the things that's, that stands out for me is it can really strengthen our teaching capabilities. Uh, you know, like it, it's, we may go, we may teach, we self-obsess. And we, we need to consider, and then we got to practice these over and over again. Uh, without, without, with, without, I mean, we are essentially learning uh, from our experiences. And just like everyone else, we're learning as teachers, the students are learning from us. So we need to improve ourselves as much as we can in the process. Talking about reflection and, and looking at learning and evolving one of the things that stuck out to me was the activity of we looked at the Kolb's learning cycle. So, I mean, that's basically, you know, you start with your experience and then from, you know, we, it's experience in the classroom. It's how, how, how the students are responding to us, how we respond to the students. And then it's just, it's, it's looking at this and observing it and reflecting upon it. And it's really about kind of what are the strengths and what do I need to improve on? And I mean, one of the things, we can do this both on the fly and on the go, because that always needs to be done. Um, the, the best of intentions sometimes we can, things can go just backwards, but then afterwards as well, it's really about looking at it and look, and as the Kolb cycle says, it's about the abstract concepts. It's the, you know, with the practitioner ourselves, we need to really look at what happened and try to link what what was done what could have been done what we already know and so like this i find is really good from both drawing on theory and ideas from textbooks or everything else but one is talking to peers and colleagues uh you know, and even just relying on our, our previous experiences teaching and everything else it, it's really nice to see kind of what works for others and, and ourselves and like what ideas or new approaches can we take to teaching? And then with that being said, it, it goes into, we need to experiment with this. And so the fourth stage of this cold cycle is this active experimentation. And so this is, how are we going to apply these new concepts into what we've, what we, what we've reflected on and what are we are going to do? So, you know, it comes full circle and it's, it's continuously, it's continuously evolving. So even after we've, act, we've experimented with this new, this new process, we constantly keep, uh, we just keep circling back and it, it's a constant evolution of reflecting on, on, on who we are, our methods and, and how we can make this process better for the students. Yeah. So I'm glad, um, I'm glad you bring up the reflection. I thought, um, that was a very um, sort of new uh, thing to me, um, uh, but I I enjoyed I enjoyed writing it, and it wasn't just a, uh, it wasn't just about enjoying it. It was also I learned a lot from it. I learned that a lot of um, and you know as we have mentioned as we've mentioned too before um, during this podcast, as you know the ref your reflection and what what you used to be and what you are and where you're going, for example, really uh, guides how uh, you as an instructor, as an instructor are going to um, instruct or pass that knowledge to your students. 
Um, so it's it, it's 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 something that that has resonated with me, and it's something that I'm for sure going to take to uh, whatever classrooms or uh, what, whatever areas that I'm going to be uh, going to to um, pass on knowledge uh, or teach new learners. No, I think you really summarize that nicely. You know, to put it in a few words, it really drives that change that we're trying to do from the educational experience or we're trying to provide from that educational experience. Um, so in, in this section, we're going to just discuss how um, uh, this topic, how who we are sort of relates to one of the area of uh, the box. So who we are to me um, or to us mostly relates to bridging part of BOPS. Uh, bridging is where you reference prior learning in life or knowledge and engage and more, uh, motivate learners and explain the importance of lesson through story, images, metaphors, rhetoric questions, etc. Rhetor uh, rhetoric questions, etc. Uh, to me, who we are tells a story, a story about us, a story about me, a story about us. Um, a story about Kevin, a story about Mike. Um, you introduce yourself uh, and your learners through a story. Your story encompasses various aspects. As mentioned in the I Am From poem, lots of facets and aspects make up who we are. Um, all these items are important to shape both you and the learner's perspectives and experiences in the course. Um, and, you know, so sort of the other things such as uh, pre-assessment and participation as well. But Mike, I'm probably going to let you just uh, sort of add on to this one. Um, if you have uh, one or two things to add on on the uh, pre-assessment uh, or what, what are your thoughts on the, um, how it, it sort of relates to more than one aspect of BOPS? Well, no, I, I think you're exactly right. Like for me, the who I am really speaks to those three P's. And it, it obviously, that's a, that's a, and the three P's are the pre-assessment, the participatory learning, and the post-assessment. But it does, it starts with the pre-assessment. Uh, you know, like for myself, my background is health policy and administration. You know, I don't consider myself an expert in the field, but at the same time, I am the expert and know more than many others on the topic. So, you know, we can take this for granted in the classroom if, if, if like we could take for granted what the student knows or is expected to know on the topic of the day. So for me, knowing who I am and knowing where the student is coming from, as you mentioned, it is key to aligning the entire outline or the entire uh, lesson plan for the day or for the semester for that matter. But I mean, so I, like we obviously have our outcomes as the instructor but I need to keep my expectations appropriate for the students. And this comes back to, again, that whole reflection and understanding who I am and reflecting on the different lived experiences of these students. And then of course, their different perspectives. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm glad you bring up the three Ps. Um, yeah, because when I was thinking about this too, I was thinking as an educator, uh, like as an educator, you have to recognize that people in the classroom will be coming from different backgrounds. And to me, this relates to the, to the pre-assessment, just as you mentioned, be it race, be it social class, the environment, education, et cetera, things that we've sort of hit on um, um, in, our, in our previous uh, sort of statements. 
Uh, it's important to distinguish where each student is starting from so you can create fair assessments, um, which comes in the participatory learning um, and allow students to have equitable chances to participate in the designed activities. So the pre-assessment sort of looks at where the student, um, where the students are coming from, uh, trying to find um, common, um, common ground for all the students. Uh, then participatory um, developing sort of aspects that all the students are gonna benefit from and one doesn't favor one student over the other. And then the post-assessment, now that you uh, recognize that the students are, um, have been able to be given uh, equitable information um, and you can be able to uh, fairly assess them. Yeah, no, you're right. And he touched on equitable and that's, that's the key. It's just creating that equitable environment that is inclusive and accommodating for the students. So most of the readings, um, so an area that I would like to go to next in the topic or, you know, maybe some of my shortcomings. Hmm. This is interesting. Um, yeah, so I would say most of the readings I've viewed uh, or read in this course involved involve uh, class or race privileges. Um, and I think even, you know, thinking about my own background, these are the things that have been very prevalent in terms of race and class privileges. Um, having lived in, in many geographical locations around the globe, I would like to know more, uh, I would like to know the influence um, of the geographical privilege, like someone living in say Regina over someone living in Prince Albert or someone living in Saskatoon over someone living in Toronto, or um, maybe to even give it like a very different different perspective, someone living in Toronto versus someone living in uh, Stony Rapids in Northern Saskatchewan, right? What are the privileges that they have? Um, we, you know, a lot of readings talk about class and race privileges, but what about geographical location? How does this influence what someone um, has in class? Uh, so from this class, I can, I, can I can recognize that um, geographical power and privilege does exist, but would like to know to what extent it has an influence in the classroom. Uh, so if I was to go somewhere, this is where I would go with this. Uh, what about you, Mike? Well, you, you raise a good point about privilege. I mean, it's, it's really important to make sure that we have an equitable environment. I know we just spoke to that, but it, it, is, it, is, it is key. And it, it's good for us to make sure that we have that equitable environment. And I mean, we can't make things perfect, but the classroom should be fair for everyone. And so like with me, that's the key part of it. But then I know a big portion for where I need to go and just kind of address my shortcomings is just simply kind of practice makes perfect. It's just constantly be reflecting, constantly be adjusting and adapting. Um, it's going to take a while, but it's part of the learning experience for ourselves. So with those thoughts, Kevin, I need to ask, do you have any final thoughts or comments on who we are today? Um, so any final thoughts and comments? Um, I, this, this, uh, this course did sort of highlight the importance of reflection to me. Um, and as, as we've spoken 
vastly in this uh, podcast. Um, and then, you know, something, um, and then um, along the lines of privilege, um, as an instructor, I think these are the things that I'm going to take into the classroom. I'm going to be, um, I'm going to um, enable the students to be able to um, express, or I'm going to understand the students so that I know uh, the playing field that they're starting from, or, you know, kind of taking me back to the box, the pre-assessment aspect, uh, the bridging, um, the outcomes, the pre-assessment, the participatory, the post-assessment, and just, you know, giving feedback, because I think that's uh, sort of important. These are the these are these are my final thoughts and comments, and also um, I would say these are sort of my takeaways from the class as well. All right, no, that sounds excellent, Kevin. I appreciate the conversation we've had today. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, check out our other intro to university teaching episodes at the links below. Thanks.